All right, and we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, this episode of Real Live Talk. This is ex episode number 67. Really appreciate you guys for taking the time to check out this episode, whether you're watching live or listening on one of the podcast platforms later on or however it is that you're checking out this podcast. Really appreciate you guys for being here. I uh, hope that this episode blesses you, encourages you, challenges you in some way. And if it does, if you'd consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, I'd really, really appreciate that. I'm uh, just... I'm I'm stoked to uh, have with me today as as my guest Garrett Ilapi, and uh, Garrett, man, thanks for being here. How are you today? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Yeah, man, my pleasure. It's great to uh, finally connect. I feel like we've we've got like so many of the same connections and very mm -hmm. similar friends in common and stuff like that. Kind of yeah. all centering around the Elam the Elam world, Elamites. Yep. yep. Um, do they still call like when I was there that we called ourselves Elamites? Is that still a thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's what <laughs> that's, that's what my just... class that's what we call ourselves. So yeah. yeah. When did when did you graduate from Elam? I graduated in twenty fourteen. Okay. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. back in 07. Nice. Uh, getting so old, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nuts. But uh, if you would, man, just take a moment and uh, just uh, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, what you do, sure. and all that good stuff. Yeah. Thanks. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, that's where I was born and raised. And that is where I, um, when that's where I, I mean, that's where I came to know the Lord when I was 18 years old. And uh, it was during that grow up stage, that teenage stage that I, um, I got enrolled into martial arts. And that is when um, I just absolutely fell in love with movement and uh and discipline and uh, just physicality in general and so that's kind of where my um yeah my movement journey began and i went through uh middle school went through high school um very rebellious teenager very uh you know just partier chasing um not really chasing girls, actually getting chased from police. That was more of the thing I was into. <laughs> and um, uh, Is that how you learned parkour? Honestly, yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious because that's it's, – it's so funny because – like it was around – I mean, that was – so you graduated Elam 07. I graduated high school yeah. in 2010. And so it was around that time that parkour free running started hitting YouTube. And as soon as I started seeing these videos, man, I was just, I just fell in love with it. I just, all I knew is like, I need to do this stuff. And, um, I would, I would practice after school, like by myself on playgrounds and, uh, just get good at the basics and stuff. But we would, yeah, on weekends we would be running from cops and I would have it to be like jumping over fences and bushes. And, um, <laughs> I would be simply just using the movements I was teaching myself. And, uh, it was kind of, it was fun to use it in, I guess, a real situation. Um, but yeah, it was until it was, uh, the summer after I graduated high school that, um, my life had just kind of hit, like all of that stuff kind of just culminated into this one moment of, you know, I am sick of living this way. It is bringing me down. It brought me to a very dark place. And, uh, yeah, I gave my life to the Lord in September of 2010. And I was very influenced by, um, I actually had a really good relationship with my youth pastor at the time, regardless of all the stuff I was doing. I still found a lot of, I confided a lot in him. And um, obviously looking back, it was, I was definitely attracted to uh, not only him, but the Jesus in him and the Holy Spirit mm. that would, uh, yeah. that was leading me. And he was the first person I contacted. I was like, hey, like, it was a pretty crazy experience. I was, 
um, I remember I was in my bedroom and I was at, you know, the girlfriend I had at the time, we had broken up. I was, you know, recovering from a bunch of parties I was at to previously. And uh, I was just in a very dark place. And there was a very, there was like a prominent stirring. It wasn't an audible voice, but there was something that told me, encouraged me to walk to the beach. I live like my parents' house was, um, it was about 30 minute walk from Lake Erie. And so I did, I mean, this voice, this, this feeling would not go away as much as I tried to ignore it. And, uh, I walked to Lake Erie. I just walked to the shore. I sat down on these steps that led down to the sand and it was like the most peaceful, tranquil moment. It almost indescribable. And the way I kind of tell that to people now is I feel like it was Jesus walking down those steps with me and sitting right next to me and being like, you know, like I didn't put you in all of these situations. Like I didn't direct you to have this, this lifestyle of rebellion and, and sin, but it was as if he was like these, these positions that you'd put yourself in through high school. Like he was like, I'm going to use this to get his attention. And uh, it did. Like, it, it really did. It brought me to a place of surrender. And I gave my life to Jesus in that moment. And my life mm. was never the same. And so, again, I, I contacted my youth pastor the next day. I don't know if you know him. Do you know Matt Girton? Do you know any of the Girtons? They're Elam-affiliated. No, I, I, again, I think they're probably connections out there okay. in, like, okay. social media because sure. of mutual relationships and stuff. But, sure. as, but I've never met him, though. Gotcha. Yeah, I think he graduated Elam in like 01 or 03 or something like that. But uh, yeah, he was the first person I reached out to. He he was leading a young adults ministry at um, the church that I grew up in at the time. And that became my, my, my place to be discipled. And that's where I really got mm. integrated into the body. And he led me to Elam a year later where I got enrolled. All I wanted to do was just tell people about Jesus. Like it was just, it was all I could see myself doing. And wow. Yeah, I ended up at Elam a year later, and um, all the while, like through all of this, like I'm just falling ever more in love with movement and getting more uh, integrated into those those disciplines, and I've been doing those, yeah, ever since. So that's so awesome. Yeah. So, like, how cool is it that Jesus doesn't make you stop doing the things that you love? Exactly. Right. Like, how right. cool is it that you get to do? The things that you're passionate about, and of course, yeah. Jesus is your is your ultimate is your ultimate passion, and he's your ultimate goal. Oh. You want to tell people about him, mm-hmm. but like how he's worked in your life to allow you to like integrate these different areas of these things that you love, like movement and martial arts and For parkour, sure. like these different things, and it's and it's uh, coming, it's come together, and probably still evolving, maybe in some ways into like your your ministry and who you are and and what yeah. you do which that, yeah. that's pretty accurate yeah absolutely absolutely yeah man that's so cool um so what was your what was your relationship or did you have a relationship with god prior to 2010 like was there the kind of thing where you were a kid and you gave your life to the lord but then stepped away or was it never really a major part of your life. What what was that like for you? Yeah. So I had never, yeah, I'd never like formally gave my life. Uh, I, but I, I mean, I loved how I was raised. My parents, um, my mom, my mother led our family to a Presbyterian church when I was seven. Uh, she had been going through her own crazy faith walk. She was very much, uh, hurt from her upbringing in, in a very, very legalistic 
uh, Catholic home. Mm. And she, that had, I mean, my mother has a crazy testimony in itself and she was very much turned away from God and saw God as this angry Zeus figure that would, you know, send lightning bolts if, if you disobeyed him. And she, around that time when I was seven, that's when she kind of made a crazy, uh, change to come to really see who Jesus is and who the father is. And it, it wasn't, what she had thought as a, as a young woman. And so, yeah, we were led to this, this Presbyterian church and um, it was there that not only my mom really came to know the Lord and be discipled, but my father too. When I was nine years old, I was nine. Yeah. So fast forward to when I was nine, I was in third grade. My father was diagnosed with a very rare uh, paralyzing disease known as Guillain-Barre syndrome. And mm, so what started, yeah. I remember, I'll never forget it. It was the day after Christmas in 2000. I think it was just 2000. And he, it started out as a cough. And later that day, I mean, the man's being rushed to an emergency room. And what we were told was going to be him being in a hospital for maybe six days. That actually turned out to be six months. And he was wow. all of a sudden, like he was paralyzed from the neck down. He lost all functionality of all of his muscles um, and he, he essentially had to learn how to walk again. I mean, his life was very much in jeopardy those first, hmm. those first few weeks and, um, praise be to God that that didn't happen, but it was in that moment for my parents to really not only see the father and in his most, you know, like when you're in, a, when you're put in that place, like, and now I can say this as a 30 year old that when I was a kid, I didn't know what was going on, but you know, looking back as an adult now, like my parents were very much in their most probably vulnerable state between them and God. Like they had nothing and all they had was, you know, God get us through this, please. And they only didn't see that, but they, it was that time that my family really saw the church because that Presbyterian church that we were at, um, I think that was the first time my dad saw, because my dad came from a very similar background as my mom. He, he was very, um, he had a, had a huge animosity towards, God and the father. And like, he didn't want anything to do with it until, you know, this, this tragic thing happens to him. And the one, the people that really swept up under to help carry him was the, was the church. I mean, this church was incredible, man. They, every day there was some new family at our front door with dinner. Here's a meal. Mm. Like we know you're going, you're going through this. Like, and this was like very reoccurring. Yeah. This wasn't just a one, a one and done thing. And I think twice a week, one of the associate pastors was always at my dad's side while he was in the hospital to walk with him and pray with him. And, awesome. um, yeah. And so, I mean, once he made his recovery, he was back at, back at our house. I mean, he was just like, now we're going to church guys. <laughs> like, and he was, he was, uh, he was shown in a very raw form, the love of God and, uh, what, what the church is, is meant to be. And so mm. it was that foundation that my parents had that my sister and I, um, were kind of shown we were so, I mean, essentially from that we were given, you know, a Christian upbringing. We were sent, uh, we had Sunday school, we had Christian camps every summer. And honestly, it was awesome. Like I just, it was just something, but we did cause all the other kids did it. It wasn't necessarily mm -hmm. something I, I was really thirsty for. Um, I just followed all the other kids and, um, but I never had, so I knew of God. I definitely, I wouldn't say I had a relationship with him, but I would talk to him every now and then. 
Um, I was definitely put in those, those situations from, you know, mentors and teachers at the time. Uh, but I, it was never something I devoted to or, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? So I had a, I definitely yeah. had a Christian mm-hmm. upbringing. So I wasn't necessarily when I, you know, once I gave my life to Jesus, I wasn't on, <laughs> you know, page one. I kind of <laughs> had some, some foundation, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like the outplaying of that verse, you know, if you raise up a child in the way they should go when they grow mm-hmm. older, they won't depart from it, you know, and yeah. it, it just yeah. uh, maybe, you know, it, for for everybody, it's different, you know, different experiences. And totally. it sounds like you had an experience where you just needed to come face to face with God's love in a real yes. in a real way that was, yeah. you know, profound and real and authentic for you. Yeah. And um, that's awesome, man. I, you know, I, I think, I think about how, cause I grew up in a, in a Christian home and my mm-hmm. parents had, I, I think my parents had gotten saved like maybe just a couple years or so before I was born. Okay. Um, and I, I think about that and I'm like, you know, I'm so blessed to have grown up in a Christian home and like court, you know, as a kid and as a teenager, like I did some, you know, rebellious things and stuff like that. But for the most part, like I was always connected uh, to the church and I, and I always knew God or, you know, always knew about God. It's mm-hmm. had a relationship with him on some level growing up, even as a kid, uh, you know, I'd say like the like cliche thing as a kid, you know, like I would say that Jesus was my best friend. I didn't really know what that meant. You know what I mean? Right. But it was just kind of, sure. kind of there. But sure. I think about uh, like the situation you just mentioned with your parents. And I think about my parents and I'm like, you know, like not, not having that background as far as, um, being a Christian or being raised in a Christian home or, mm-hmm. you know, having a relationship with God that's really based on, on love. Uh, I, I just, sometimes I think about that and it just kind of, I, I'm just so grateful, man, that like somehow somebody stepped in and intervened and talked to my parents about the love of God For you know sure. what I mean? and got them, got them to that point so that I could have that, yeah. uh, that, that upbringing, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it's just, it's a beautiful thing how, God uses people and how, you know, one, one thing, like one person sharing the love of Christ with somebody, how it doesn't necessarily just, it doesn't just affect the life of that person, but potentially like future generations and, you know, so many, you know, so, so many things. And, um, it's just, uh, it's just super cool. So that's what totally. was going through my head while you were talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Um, what was your Elam experience like, man? I know it's like a very broad question, sure, but just in sure. general, like how would you, yeah, what was it like for you? I loved it. We were in, our, our class was such, I felt like a guinea pig class because like our freshman year was the last year that they instituted like the dress, the dress code and all that stuff. And okay, it was, yeah, it was like our very next year. It was like a whole new school. We were able to just, essentially wear like to an extent like pretty much just casual what we'd wear out on the streets and um like they were i remember i became an ra that year and one of the topics we were discussing during ra training was uh like what is the new policy for couples and like i remember a a massive topic of debate was kissing on the cheek and uh stuff like that so like we were it was a very different uh, experience. It was, it was never the same each year. I felt like, uh, it was just so much change. So like switching of presidents and stuff like that. But man, I loved, I really did love Elam. And I, and I hold that experience dear to my heart. Like not so much the sense of the teaching. Like I love the teaching. Um, some stuff 
you know, coming into adulthood and going through some different experiences and, and going through some different theologi- uh, theological uh, discussions and, and teachings. Like some, some things I've unlearned since Elam, some things I've gained. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that's to his their own. But uh, the way I always saw Elam, I'm a, so I'm a massive nerd, right? I am <laughs> very, very, very deep into pop culture and nerdum. And that's one of the reasons I do all the stuff that I do today. Like I was obsessed with Spider-Man growing up. I was obsessed with uh, Tarzan and the Power Rangers and all that stuff. And so I, I literally just wanted to do the stuff that I was seeing on television. And that's kind of why it's, I mean, it's hilarious. Like that's honestly the, the subconscious root reason why I that's do awesome. what I do today. Um, but when I got to Elam, it, to me, it felt, I felt like Harry Potter going to Hogwarts and we were all learning to, <laughs> uh, we were learning how to defeat the dark Lord together. Like as, <laughs> as like, it, it's so funny. Like that's, that's how I felt. Sounds about Elam, right. Yeah. Right? And so, uh, I, I, it wasn't necessarily the teachings, but man, it was definitely the relationships and experiences that I gained from Elam that, uh, still, I mean, they echo to this day, like my closest friends, uh, we all met at Elam. Uh, I'm currently in the Rochester area because of the relationships I had, I had gained from Elam. Um, yeah. And before, before Elam, I had been on a plane, I think once. Hmm. I think once. And then after Elam, because mission missions was my track. Like that was like my main, my main focus. I had been on a plane maybe seven or eight times after, after Elam. Like I was Elam. I was just going yeah. uh, all over the place. Um, yeah. I mean, they, I, That's awesome. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I definitely took a lot more from it than, than anything. That's awesome, man. What, uh, what are some of the countries you've been to? Mm-hmm. I was able to go to, uh, I was in Costa Rica. Um, I was in Costa Rica. I've been to Mexico City th- two times. So I've been to Mexico three times. And and when people and I always have to say like not a resort. I've never been to a resort in Mexico. <laughs> I'm always I was actually with you know the culture with the, with the people. Yeah. Um, I've been to my senior year of Elam. I was able to for my internship. I I spent six weeks in England, and I was with a ministry called. Uh, Battelle, and which is a which is actually an Elam founded organization slash church, and uh, yeah, while I was there, I got to from England, I got to fly to Ireland, and essentially, I just I lived with that's awesome. I lived in these these from the surface, they would just seem like halfway houses, but really, they were. It's an organization built entirely around taking alcoholics, drug addicts homeless uh right off the streets without a screening process and giving them a place to eat sleep um well shower uh and yeah i mean it was an incredible it was an incredible experience and i just got to do life with these guys for six weeks and they have batel houses and churches all over europe and so um yeah i spent some time in birmingham england and then spent some time in dublin Ireland and uh, yeah, I got to travel down to London for a little bit and um, yeah, country-wise, those are I think that's it. Yeah, that I've actually been able to do do ministry and so and then yeah, throughout the states, I was I've been in you know Miami, Florida. We were in Baltimore, Washington D.C., New York City with Nysum and uh, yeah, so yeah, man. Um, well. Oh man, that's so cool. I, I got I got to do something before I forget. So, so Josiah is apparently uh, just 
don't know if you can see this or not. So one he of, says, yeah, that's he says you, you kind of look like Justin Timberlake and Robin Williams had a baby. I, <laughs> I just it's, had to bring that up. Yeah, it never, it never stops with him. Yeah, Josiah, Josiah and I met, uh, we met first, like first day at Elam, and we both had a common ground of being very influenced and in, in having a love for hip hop. Um, because that was one of the big, that was one of the big parts of my testimony was uh, Lecrae. That I, so like once I hit middle school and high school, I was very much not really going to church. It was at that age range, like my parents, our parents were like, hey, we're not going to force you guys to do this. I think we're thinking you're at the age where you can, find and identify this stuff out for yourselves. And uh, that's when I pretty much didn't really go on Sundays. And it wasn't until a really good friend of mine, I'll never forget in 2009, he, he showed me a uh, hardcore believer. Um, we just had a really good relationship. He showed me Lecrae for the very first time. Mm. And I was, I, man, no joke. I was like, what is this? What? My dog's here. I was very much, I thought my first uh, interpretation of Lecrae and Christian hip hop in general was, I thought it was a Saturday Night Live skit. Now, I thought I didn't take it seriously. I was like, is this, like, what episode yeah. of SNL is this from? And then I go to see, like, oh my gosh, he's got multiple songs. Oh my gosh, he's got albums. Oh my goodness, there's, like, multiple rappers that do this stuff. And I immediately fell in love with it. And I whenever I was in a very dark place in high school, you know, like the next day I'm hungover or something like that. I was listening. I was putting this music into my ears and listening mm. to it. And this was, this was my Sunday morning preaching. I wasn't going to church. Like I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was just listening to this music. It just was very sombering to me. It was, it just kind of leveled me out uh, multiple times and it became, that was the gospel. <laughs> that I was, wow. and so once I got, once I became um, a believer, that my mindset was, oh, this was the kind of music that this is what really drove me to come to know the Lord. I want to use it to help other people, just like wow. it did with me. And so, um, yeah, that's when I became, you know, an amateur rapper, and we got to, I got to Elam and met Josiah and we were literally the both the same person and so we we did That's music so together yeah we did music together for a couple of years and honestly it was awesome man it was it was so much fun but yeah Josiah and I have a very <laughs> very long relationship we're best we're practically brothers and it's um, it's, it's, it's symbiotic yeah. basically mm -hmm. yeah 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 yep, yep. um, so yeah so Josiah showed me uh, when he when he was on a month or two ago whenever that mm -hmm. was and yeah. shout out to Josiah cuz I know I know he's uh he's watching and uh, oh, he's yeah. the one that 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 basically set this up right with with yeah. me and you so yeah. so really appreciate you but uh but uh yeah so he showed me his he showed me some of his um his hip hop that he had done so it was mm -hmm. like hello is it hello I'm Josiah yeah um, yeah that's his stage name uh, Check it out on Spotify. It's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. It really, mm -hmm. it really is legitimately like I was real. I was really surprised because I just didn't. I mean, I didn't know what to expect when he told sure. me about it. I didn't know about it until I think it was like at the end of the podcast. He just like haphazardly mentioned that he yeah. had recorded some hip hop music, and I was like, "Dude, yeah. wait, hold on. Like, go back to that. We need to right. definitely. This is something we definitely right. need to talk about." Right. Um, and uh, and I loved it, man. Um, have you guys ever done any like recording together? Oh yeah, yeah. We did. We did a full our senior year of Elam. We did a full studio album. Oh, that sweet. We, that we recorded and released. 
And I will still like that was, yeah, that was 2013, 2014. I'll still find myself listening to it. And it's hilarious because it's stuff that I, you know, I wrote and recorded what, eight years ago now. And I'll listen to it. And it's like my past self preaching to me currently. (laughs) I'll listen to a verse that I wrote and recorded (laughs) and I'll be like, wow, I actually really needed to hear that. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but I was, it was, I, I always will have a soft spot in my heart for music. It wasn't something it was for me. It was definitely just something I did in college and, um, and I thought during that time that music was going to be a long-term thing until, uh, one, until I started getting further more into the movement stuff. And I saw, I went to a 21 Pilots concert mm. back when they were, before they like really blew up, they were right. in Cleveland yeah. and we, it was, we were just at the house of blues and I went to a, my first 21 Pilots concert and I saw the drummer do a backflip off of the piano and immediately, <laughs> I mean, it was while I was at Elam and I saw that and I was like, yo, I got to do that at one of Josiah and I's shows. And so we... I, st- I went to Josiah and was like, hey, dude, I'm going to finish like one of our songs, like one of like the heavy hitter banger songs. I'm going to do a front flip off of the stage. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And so I started doing that at shows and I was getting more excited to do the flip in the show rather than the music itself. And um, that it was kind of around that time period where I was like, you know what? I, I really, I want to do more stuff with movement. Like this is what I've loved since I was a boy. Um, music has always had, will always have a near and dear place in my heart, but that's when it was really like apparent, like I want to make movement in ministry, uh, like my future. So yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) do you just do flips all the time? Cause I feel, I feel like if I could do a, if I could just do a standing front flip or back flip, I've always thought this, I've always wanted to learn it. I never learned how to do it, Uh but I, I was always really into like, you know, trampolines and like high dives and stuff like that and jumping off high stuff and doing flips and things like that but i was always just like too terrified to like teach myself how to just do a standing backflip sure and so i never learned how to do it but i always thought if i could do that like if i could just do it like at will i would do it constantly like i would just be talking to people and then just do a backflip you know what i mean like i'll just do it in real life all the time Mm -hmm. like is that something that you do (laughs) yes (laughs) it it is yeah yeah definitely now that i'm Definitely in my mid twenties, much more so. Now that I'm thirty, I feel like I've done enough of that to where, like, if people ask me to backflip now, I have no problem being like, "Dude, I'm too tired. I'm not doing it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But also, I mean, it's, I've done it's hundreds more, of thousands yeah, of flips. If it's like little kids, <laughs> I'm good. If, yeah, if it's little kids and they're like, "You can do a backflip," I'll gladly do it because I love. Like, they always give the best reactions. Like adults are like, "Oh man, that was cool," but little kids just go ballistic. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I do love to. That's it is awesome. fun. It's fun to perform it, you know, every now and then. Yeah, man. No, it's it's cool. I just know that if I would just exploit it like crazy, you know. What sure, I mean? sure, uh, sure. That's super cool, especially if they're talking to someone new who doesn't know that you can that you can do right. that yet, and just right. kind of like talking to somebody, just like, oh, hold on a second. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's super cool. Uh, so I- explain. Uh, tr- um, tricking or, or uh, tricking tricking sure. athletics sure yeah. so tricking is essentially the combination of martial arts and gymnastics combined tricking uh which is now becoming 
more and more popular and it was pretty much the most recent movement category that I've gotten involved in. Like, so, mm-hmm. so for all the listeners, people, people will get these confused. There actually is a very big difference between parkour, free running and tricking. Um, mm-hmm. Parkour is by definition getting from point A to point B in the quickest, most efficient amount of time. So parkour by its definition doesn't necessarily involve flips. It's, it's a, that's parkour is jumping over walls, climbing up walls, jumping off stuff, running from uh, cops. Exactly. Yeah. Trying to get, yeah. Like if I'm running from a cop, I'm probably not going to throw a flip just, in, you know, and <laughs> Look what I can uh, do. Right. Yeah. So that's parkour. Free running is parkour with the flip. So free running is essentially making a parkour run or a parkour line as flashy as you can possibly make it. So that's when you would start to involve flips and those kind of tricks. Uh, and then tricking is solely on the ground. Tricking is solely on flat ground, and that's when you're combining um, kicking with flipping, and you perform it all in a series of of combos. Um, yeah, until you finish. It's up. so it's a, much fun. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, it it, it really man, it's it's, it's, it's beautiful. Such a, I've trick. Yeah, tricking <laughs> is probably the one thing I've done the most now in the past couple of years. One because I don't. You just literally need a floor to do it. Um, and two ground, I, I call it my ground game. My ground game has always been the weakest. It's easy to throw flips and jump off of walls because you have height and gravity on your side. Um, but when it comes to just you and the floor, that's pure power and strength and reflexes. Uh, and it's, uh, it's always far more challenging. And so when I see something that's super challenging, I kind of want to master it. And so, um, yeah, tricking has definitely been the more um, most recent, and by most recent, I've pretty much, I've been doing tricking now for two or three years consistently. So, how important is stretching in your life? Extremely. I just got yeah. done stretching right before this. <laughs> this <Yeah. call>. uh, <laughs> extremely, um, and not even, not even for the sake of the stuff that I do because I want to prevent injury, but really more so I'm a personal trainer too. So I'm, I'm always teaching a, an array of clients, everyone from kids to college athletes to the elderly. And man, when you start to see not just the different age ranges, but the different physicalities that people are in, whether that's, man, I have horrible knees. I have a horrible back. I'm um, overweight and, you start to understand their history that they do not have a background in stretching at all. It's just not something mm-hmm. they really care too yeah. much for. It was something they did in high school or for sports to be fresh and ready for a game. But after that, it was nothing. Um, stretching has now become just a practice of mine. Whether I feel if I were to just stop doing all the all the stuff that I do tomorrow, stretching is the one thing I would keep. Um, because of it promotes longevity and it keeps me from, you know, like I don't wake up out of bed, you know, going, like, Oh man, my back, like I wake yeah. up feeling pretty yeah. fresh and I feel okay because I, I just have a genuine practice to stretch every day. Um, and nothing extreme, just, you know, 10 to 20 minutes a day. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm feeling good. So yeah, stretching is vital. I would label yeah, because so any because it's it's gonna it's gonna help you with with movements and your ability to uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all all of that, right? So yep. Uh, yep. yeah, I ne- I never thought about it until recently, man. Because like, um, especially over the over the past year, like I've been um doing a lot more, like going to the gym a lot more and mm-hmm. running and awesome. stuff like that. Yeah, used to be a really big like running used to be a really big part of my life, and then sure. I. I went through like a season where I was like depressed and I, (laughs) I, I gained like, I gained more weight than I, you Uh know what I mean? Like it it just, it snuck up on me. Um, and I realized that, that, that it was, it was happening. It was just Mm -hmm. like one of those things I was kind of in a fog for a while and uh, not paying attention to my, to my habits. That was a few years ago, but like, um, but like over the past couple of years, like I've been more, um, disciplined about, you know, working out and running and going to the gym and stuff like that. But it wasn't until very, very recently that I started to like, like, I guess, learn more about how important it is just to stretch. Cause again, stretching Mm -hmm. was something that we would do, you know, we do like in gym class, we do like the little, like, we do like arm circles and butterflies and, and stuff like that. And we'd be like, uh, you know, it was just something that we did even when I was in high school and I was on like the track team, it was just something that we did for a few minutes before we would go out and run, you know what I mean? And, and I never really recognized how important it is, but it's crazy how if you just will will start to like just like develop some consistency as you said like what did you say 10 to 20 minutes a day or yeah or yeah. something like that yeah, how you can really, really dramatically increase your flexibility very much and so. uh yeah. and it changes it changes so much yep. about your lifestyle in general just having mm-hmm. that increased movement it does and even uh not such the practice of doing it but biologically it opens up it increases the oxygen going to your brain. It increases blood flow. It, it, it doesn't just make you flexible. It really does kind of, it kind of jumpstarts your, your organs. It jumpstarts your kind of infrastructure yeah. of your body. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you done any kind of like yoga type stuff? Like, are you, are you, are you into that? Cause, pe- <laughs> cause people, people that have never done yoga look at yoga and they're like, oh, like that's like, like that's for you know whatever like people like that's for wusses or that's for like yoga is sure. ridiculously yoga's hard so hard oh my goodness <laughs> it's crazy yeah. hard yoga so terrifies difficult. me yeah yeah i've done yeah i've done yoga a couple of times it's not that's not something i really go for a lot um but i definitely i would definitely recommend yoga to people i love it when i yeah. do it sure uh, well, I don't know if this is going to take us off, off topic because uh, mm. I'm not sure what it's related to. But Josiah uh, said to ask you about given. <laughs> given, yeah, given was my that was like my stage name when I was in hip hop music. Oh, see, in my head, I was thinking it was like some kind of ministry with movement or something. Like I was <laughs> just thinking that it was something related to that. No, nope, that's just a right. name, and it's something he never will ever let let go of yeah all right man well let's 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 uh let's go for it so tell tell me about give in <laughs> given was it, it i was trying i mean i was just trying to be like the catchy you know like everyone everyone in christian rap at the time had to have like people didn't necessarily use their names for right for music you had to have uh, a nickname and i went for i had some 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 horrible things that will never ever see the light of day uh, but given, I essentially just took the first name, my initials, I just took GI and I was like, how can I okay. make this, <laughs> how can I make this like a clever Christianese stage name and given is what I came up with. And I didn't include the E so I could look, I don't know, edgy. 
edgy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's oh, pretty man. edgy. Yeah, that's right. cool. That's cool. So do you have uh is any of the of your music out there? Like can it be accessed on Spotify? Yeah, I said Josiah and I so the, the album we recorded was uh our group together Josiah and I our group was called Remade. And that's uh, that's still on Spotify and and iTunes on Apple Music. And then I released a solo EP in 2014 on Noise Trade. I think it was noisetrade.com. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't looked in a long time, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I actually, yeah, we have we do have some music on. That's on awesome. Music platforms, yeah. That's awesome, guys. Check that out. Come on, I'm gonna check do it out it. as soon as we're done here. Do <laughs> for it, man. Sure. I'll see. Yeah, I'll send you the link. <clears throat> for sure, man. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll uh, if you send me the link, I'll share it. I'll put it in the uh, I'll put it in the show notes and make sure that we sweet. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome, man. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. Um, how, how does so? How do these worlds of like ministry and yeah. wanting to talk about you know tell people about Jesus and yeah. you know like how does how does the the world of ministry combine with mm -hmm. the world of movement and health and all of that as far as increasing awareness and just right. like how does how does how is that working for you? Uh, right now and kind of like what is your vision uh, for sure. how you want to increase people in you know people in you know ministry and stuff like that in the church uh, as far as their awareness of the importance of movement and and health and wellness yes so I in 2016 I had moved back to Cleveland for a couple of years it's just something I felt called to do it and I felt like that was where I was where I was meant to be and um, I, one of the big, so yeah, I guess I can, I can start with this. Um, it was 2016 videos were now a thing on Instagram and people were encouraging me to post my content more and like actually filming my content and posting it. Um, and that's when I really started to get on the social media game of posting movement content. And one of the comments I would always constantly receive was, um, Hey, you should do stunts in movies. And mm. I was like, Oh snap, that's an awesome idea. Why have I never thought of that before? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of just started telling people like, yeah, I'm thinking about getting into this and my mom caught wind of it. And during that time, fast and furious eight, was filming in Cleveland. Cleveland actually, funny enough, has a, has a quite the movie scene. Um, mm. It's got a low tax incentive, so it's just cheap for movies to, oh, to wow. productions to go there. And there, there's a, there was a locals casting agent. And um, it was kind of one of my big reasons I wanted to move back to Cleveland, um, which will become important in a little bit. But um, yeah, movies was a big reason I wanted to go back. And so... Um, I got on this locals casting database. Like I just wanted to get on a film project and um, it wasn't fast and furious eight, but that's where um, the advertising for they needed extras is where these local casting databases started to pop up on social media. Like, Hey, we okay. need extras. And my cool. mom just sent me a link and I got onto one of them and I started getting these emails of requirements that they would want for extras. And I started replying. I started sending pictures and, um, this is like my height, my weight, yada, yada. And I wasn't getting anything. And so five months go by and now a Netflix film is filming in Cleveland. And 
I get this email like, hey, we need a, a body double for eight days to be on set. I was like, oh, cool. And I'm looking at all the requirements and I match it, it match it pretty well. And so I, I send all of the, the, the email over and I get a call directly from the, the casting director herself. That's awesome. And uh, she invited me to be on set. And I, so I pretty much, I booked this gig to be a body double um, or a other known as other way, otherwise known as a stand in on this film for eight days. And I made it my mission to get to know the stunt coordinator. I did all my research. I was like, I got to find the stunt coordinator. And I did. Smart. I was, in, I was introduced to him and he wanted to know my skill set and my background and he loved what he heard and he invited me to be essentially a member of his team and that is where i started to get integrated in more into the film community and the stunt community and now being more integrated in the stunt community i kind of had this i felt like it was an obligation to post more content and to be now I started to, and this starts to take a kind of like a, like a backsliding turn. I started to really see my identity as the movement guy and started mm, to okay. like, it was no longer becoming Garrett, you know, the Christ follower. I was the Christian, the ninja Christian, right? Like that started to become my, <laughs> that started to become my psyche. And I started to really have to, like, I felt like sounds I sounds pretty to, dope though. To it be does actually you. now like looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> I started, I felt like I needed to emulate that across social media and it really was taking up my, my time, my energy, my, my yeah, focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so like all the while I'm now starting to feel like I needed to, my entire career needed to, uh, circumference this this new identity that I have, and so I was mm. like, I need to make movement my thing. And so, then fast forward a couple of years, I started getting um, no stunt stuff yet. I got booked on films as an extra, as a stand-in. I got to meet a lot of celebrities and um, really cool directors, and it was really it was a really cool experience. But man, like people would ask me, um, I would start to use use it as, I guess, a false platform. I would tell people I was going on these movie sets to be a witness and to, and to be a missionary. Like I was starting to say like, you know, movies are my mission field, right? And I would never talk to anyone really about Jesus. Like I was totally just being selfish. And no, I just wanted to be more well-known and be on movies just to be on movies and um, not necessarily become famous, but I just, I mean, I was just essentially kind of feeding my... Yeah just feeding the selfish desire and it wasn't, it wasn't kingdom kingdom centered. And that wasn't until uh, we get to 2019. And so 2019 rolls around and um, I befriend this couple that owns their own gym um, close to my, close to my parents' house. And it's called FMU fitness, which stood for fit me up. And it was owned by these believers that are so hardcore on fire their entire gym motto as soon as you walk in the gym it is it is faith family and fitness like that mm -hmm. is their cool. mo um and that really changed things for me i was i was kind of looking for i wanted something i wanted you know when i'm not on a movie set or i wanted you know my cash flow and income to come from movement into some capacity and i get introduced to this gym and they brought me on as a adult coach um, and I was just coaching like an adult's fitness class, like two or three times a week. That was essentially it. But one day 
in like the break time, the one owner came up to me and said, Hey dude, by the way, if you ever want to use this facility for your own personal training, like go for it. Like if we're not wow. using the gym, it's all yours. And it was That's a awesome. massive, just like that wasn't like he completely planted a seed in my head. I was like, man, that wasn't even on my radar. But like this gym was, it was definitely like Ninja warrior focused. Like, so it wasn't That's your so typical cool. like bench presses and squats and, treadmills it actually had warped walls it had pull-up bars everywhere it had salmon ladders which is if you've ever seen ninja warrior it's like where you take a bar and you um jump uh you skip like bars using like a pull-up bar or whatever yeah but i mean yeah, it, I was, it was ninja warriors focused and so that's awesome it was the perfect playground i could i and so I, that's where i made the decision i was i actually started teaching my own uh i had my own practice where i would teach kids parkour and then I was teaching um, adults martial arts and kind of like skill set, skill set calisthenics, so like handstands and muscle ups and even flips. Um, and I was doing that. And so it was it was that summer of 2019 that the Lord really started to, I guess, kind of re-catch my attention and kind of start to one prepare my heart for something that was was about to go down that I won't go really into detail too much but um i i might i was starting to remember essentially i was starting to remember my purpose my mission my 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 love for god and my kind of like my big why like why is it i'm doing all this stuff and so you know i'm teaching these kids i'm in this you know christian based gym and it was definitely just helping helping rewire my my psyche in that regard and um then came August and September of 2019, and all I'll say is I just went through, a, my life took a very quick turn, and I was kind of put in this pretty traumatic experience. Uh, I was just in a very, very, very dark place. Someone very dear to me um, left me, and uh, my, my whole world was shaken. And mm. it was in that time that all of that stuff, all of like the movie uh, – you know, grinding for like all that stuff. It just all hit the wayside. And all I had was just me and the father. Um, mm. It wow. was such a looking back, like now two and a half years later, it was the most probably bittersweet moment in my entire season of my life. Like yeah. it was extremely hard. I was going through a grieving process. I was in, I was in a very dark place, but at the same time, that was probably the most real my relationship with God has ever been kind of, wow. I mean, going back Mark. to like my father, like going back to my parents during that traumatic time with my father in the hospital, like now it was, uh, that it was now my turn as an adult. Like this was my time to really just see God for who he really is. And so that's where I mm. understood sonship to its most, um, rawest form. And all I wanted at that point, it was just like, all I want to do, man, is follow the Lord. Like I, and it was such a season of repentance. Like I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I've made such an idol out of, the stuff I was trying to achieve, like, and funny enough, I hadn't been in, I had, I like all this grinding, I hadn't achieved a stunt in a movie yet. Right. So like I hadn't even gotten that. And this, this horrible thing happens to me. And all of a sudden I start getting all these offers. I found myself one, I was in desperate need of income. This situation put me in a very tough spot, uh, uh, financially. And I was like, Lord, I really need your provision here. And, uh, a couple weeks later, 
while I'm going through this horrible thing, I was offered to be in a docu-series that National Geographic was filming about World War II. And I'm a, mas- a massive World War II buff. And wow. I got booked on this docu-series to play a captain. Uh, and I was a captain of a, of a submarine in World War II. And it was, I was on set for that for about two weeks. And one, mm. that provided a lot of income for me. Uh, but two, it was just kind of a funny, like I wasn't doing it to be noticed. I wasn't doing it yeah. to, all I was doing, I needed money. Two, uh, I was like, God, before getting out of my car, every day getting on set, it was like, God, please use me, help me. Wow. And it was so, man, like the conversations that I had with like my 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 colleagues on that show was incredible. I talked to so many people about Jesus. I found out so many people knew about Jesus and like we actually had very similar like mutual connections in churches in the area. Yeah. And I was getting kind of in- more integrated into the body in that regard and it was awesome. And then it was what? While I was on set for that, I get a an email from my stunt coordinator. So now I've been affiliated with this stunt team for about three years. I have a good relationship with my stunt coordinator and he reaches out and goes, Hey guys, uh, big one, the Russo brothers, AKA those who just directed an Avengers Endgame. It had just come out a couple months prior. Um, Russo brothers are now going to be in Cleveland filming a movie with Tom Holland starring in it. Mm. Uh, yeah. And the stunt coordinator of that film is wants to see the local talent. And so he reached out to me, you guys have a two minute audition window in front of the stunt coordinator to show him what you got. Mm. And, uh, it was, that was like, Oh snap. But even then I was still in such a place of like, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I need to do this. It was just like, man, I really need money. That's a pretty cool. Like, this is a cool email. Like I really do need money though. Like I'll, I'll go for it. (laughs) And uh, I did. And I met the stunt coordinator for this film. I I had two minutes in front of him. And so I did a, uh, I pulled my one stunt buddy and we did a fight in front of him. We choreographed a fight scene really quick and we did that. And then I did a a quick tricking sequence. Um, And he liked what he saw. And I, at the time, I didn't know he liked what he saw because a, f- a couple of weeks went by and I didn't hear anything. And I knew the film mm. had started filming. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I got it. Oh, well. And uh, I then get a call from the stunt coordinator out of nowhere. I, and it was hilarious because the call was from Pontiac, Michigan. And I thought it was just a scam call. So I picked up yeah, and it was yeah, just yeah. like, hello? Because I was just expecting a, a scam call. And the, and the, the voice was... Garrett, this is Danny Mays. I'm the stunt coordinator of the film Cherry. How are you? And it was like immediately like I had to perk up and be like, oh, I'm good, sir. How are you? <laughs> and so long story short, um, yeah, he invi- I, was on, I was on the set for this, this film for six days. I was, a, I was a driver for five days. And then the sixth day, I, I came on set as uh, I got the call. I was, uh, I was stunt doubling one of Tom Holland's co-stars I had to sign a Screen Actors Guild contract, which was the massive, that is like the big promotion in the stunt mm, film yeah. community. That is when you are um, eligible to join the Screen Actors Guild and when you are, um, that's when you've hit it. Like now I'm a professional stuntman. And um, all that to say though, before getting out of my car for every single one of those days, I was now in the place of, Lord, use me on this movie set. Like it was mm-hmm. no longer, like I wasn't yeah. doing this for my gain anymore. Like I was simply just 
wanting to, I really did. Now I really did see the film set as my mission field. And uh, I'm not going to say that God, you know, put me through that really traumatic experience to get me to that point, but I, he definitely used it. And I was, you know, like those seasons in our lives where we feel it's God against us, man, like I probably looking back, I probably wouldn't give that season up for anything because now I see him through such a new lens that I wouldn't have seen him before. And now next thing you know is I'm in the back seat of a 96 BMW with Tom Holland. And he is, the dude is dragging me constantly out of this car. Cause that was a stunt. I had to be a dead body. <laughs> I had to be a corpse and he had to drag me out of this car. Cause apparently the character I was doubling for got shot by a cop and he, they had to, you know, dump the body on the side of the road. And that was a stunt. And next thing I, I'm having a conversation with Spider-Man, like the real Spider-Man and um dude it was it was just incredible like god just he really came through in in that moment and it wasn't until i had fully surrendered to him that i actually did get my first official stunt gig and um all the while like while all that's going on i'm still teaching kids parkour i'm still doing this thing but now i have this whole new this new appreciation for it i reached out to i kind of started getting this vision i reached out to alex seidler who is currently the global ministries director of Mm -hmm. Elam fellowship. And I reached out to him and I just said, Hey man, listen, here's the thing I'm doing in Cleveland. I have this gym, I'm doing all this stuff, but man, I have such a vision to see this being utilized so hardcore for the kingdom. I would love to teach missionaries and ministers, not just how to be healthy, but how to be stronger so that they can physically be more equipped to hit the mission yeah. field, to have a more yeah. a, and a more effective ministry. And so like my kind of mantra I developed in my head was healthier bodies for the body, like capital mm-hmm. B. And yeah. he was my, like his, his response was like, dude, that's crazy that you're saying this right now. We're in the process of revamping our entire missionary training process. And the one thing that God is bringing to the forefront is physical health and wellness. And now you're bringing this, mm. you're emailing this to me. And so it was just a crazy it's awesome. It was, yeah, man, it was nuts. And so I do the movie. Dude, well, you, was, oh, sure. You, you yeah. Talk, yeah. No, sorry to interrupt. You, you talk oh, about, um, you know, you talk, t- talking about <laughs> longevity and ministry. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about longevity and ministry and yeah. we, you know, we focus so much on the, on the spiritual side, which is of course intensely important. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about, you know, people burning out. We talk a lot about, you know, ministers falling into sin. We talk about all these different things, but like, this is such an important area that is probably the most neglected area overall is, is like, okay, what about your physical health? Because obviously your physical health is going to uh, dramatically affect, you know, longevity and ministry, whether it's, you know, I mean, I I mean, just, just being healthy, just being healthy in general, can help you live longer obviously yeah, like man. that's the ob- that's the obvious way but then even as you said like stronger bodies and strength that you have mm-hmm. more energy and more yeah. you know stamina yeah. and you know just you, you're more equipped to deal with the everyday tasks and the things mm-hmm. that you're dealing with mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's so cool i love it yeah and i and the biggest thing is like you how many especially in westernized american culture do you have an extremely overweight pastor telling me to, you know, you need to get, you need to get lust out of your life. Like, why are you, 
why are you drinking so much on the weekends? Like, while right, this man who is just right. piling food into his gullet, like you're wow. doing the same thing I am. Um, wow. You know, but it's just for to, sure a double standard. Same. It is. It is. So, <laughs> right. Um, wow. It was, it's just one of the things that has been completely neglected. And, and going back to my experiences at Elam, um, the times that I trained the hardest was when I knew I was about to hit another country, when I knew I was about to travel and do ministry. That The weeks leading up to that is when I would actually train my hardest. And it really came through, especially in Costa Rica. Costa Rica was such a, a test of kind of my, not theory, but just test of, of what I believed in. Like if I train super hard, can I be super effective in, in a tropical, very temperate country mm. like Costa uh-huh. Rica? And man, I mean, every day was... It was ministry all day, every day. I mean, we were going to different public schools that didn't have air conditioning and being invited to their auditoriums for assemblies to do ministry um, and to, to preach the gospel. And we had to have energy all day. Um, and it did. Like, I was able, like, man, I was covered in sweat for 24 hours a day, but I, I wasn't holding back. I was able to effectively pray for those that needed prayer. I was effectively able to preach to those that needed to hear the gospel. And it wasn't like I was doing push-ups or doing flips or doing, I just had the capacity to preach and to pray. Like that's all I, I, you know, it wasn't like I was going there to, to compete in anything, but when it comes to the mission field, you need energy for things that you never thought you would need energy for, especially when you're in a completely different country that your lungs, um, and your yeah, man. your physicality is not used to, um, and so that's that was really my big my big push for that was one of the big things that I think God brought to the forefront of my mind when I was reaching out to Alex, um, and so yeah, a couple months went by. I did the movie thing, and I kind of this you know all of these this experience that I've been in, um, it kind of led me to this place of uh, I think it's time for me to to start over and 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 start fresh and somewhere new and that was immediately was like god god was like well here's the email you sent out to alex and here's the conversation that you got going um and here is a whole network of people that you have built from your time at elam like it just felt like rochester new york was was the place to be and so yeah i moved back out here and working with Elam Fellowship and creating an entire physical health and wellness curriculum for the entire organization that I'll be releasing soon. And I'm awesome. personal training at, at a local gym. And so, yeah, man, just, I just call it full, just full-time movement and ministry. So that's so cool. Yeah. And that's then so movie cool, stuff man. is still, is, I'm still like the stunt team and I are meeting in like two weeks. I think we have another meeting where I'll get to train with the team and kind of get the load. Like I'm again, and I'm only four hours from Cleveland, so I'm still not that far from my family. If a movie comes up, um, I can, you know, it's just a four hour drive and I'll just, you know, crash with my parents for however long the, the film goes for. And yeah. So just trying to just u- utilize my gifts as, as much as I can. And it just brings me to, I've, yeah, it's just brought me to really good relationships, really good just platforms to, to bring the gospel yeah so man it's so cool well i love i love so much of what you just said uh i I love what you said about uh you know that idea of 
for you on a personal level, training harder when you knew that you were going to be going onto the mission field and mm -hmm. going into some other countries and things like that. You know, I think about because I, I know earlier you mentioned Mexico City mm -hmm. and, you know, Mexico City that they're at they're a seven something thousand feet. The of, elevation of, of, yes. of elevation. Yeah, they, the one um, highway they have is the yeah. highest highway in North America. I yeah, believe. like yeah. I we, we've spent a bunch of time in Mexico City mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, just you're not used to it, you know, get no. just getting off the plane and walking fast through the airport to try to yeah. get to, you know, yeah. get to your car or yeah. whatever. You're like winded by the time you, yeah. you get through because you're just, you yep. know, you're, you're fresh. You're not, you're not used to it. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, man, I ran, stuff I ran like a that. 5k in Mexico city. Yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. I, oh, I've talked man, to people, so, man, that would come uh, and I did, to visit. Like, I did cross country in high school and stuff, but it was a whole new, whole new ball game. Mm -hmm. doing that in, in Mexico yeah. City for sure yeah it's totally right like I would talk to people that were very fit very much in shape that were mm -hmm. into like um uh like jujitsu type stuff or like mixed martial arts sure. and they, they were they would fight and then like but th then they uh would come down and, and kind of like you know spar or do some 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 wrestling or that kind of mm -hmm. thing in uh in Mexico and how just like instantly noticing how, fast, how tired, yeah. how quickly you get winded and how quickly yep. you get tired. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, man, all this stuff that you're talking about, just increasing your lung capacity, increasing your your movements and, um, you know, right. everything. It's it's right. it's so cool. And, and it has such, you know, when I think about it, it's so obvious. But again, it's something that I think we we just neglect. We tend to really neglect mm -hmm. in the church. Yeah, uh, as an important part of even just like the stewardship of our bodies. You know, we always talk about your body's the temple, you know, of the Holy Spirit. And we always, you know, we, we relate it to very specific things, but it's like, okay, like, how about this? How about, how about your health? And not just yeah. in terms of you shouldn't smoke cigarettes, but in sure. terms of like, how are you feeding yourself and how are you, yes. um, you know, really just, I, I think it's a mm -hmm. stewardship issue when it, when it comes down to it. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, how how would you say that somebody? Because I know I know that you're a personal trainer. Um, mm -hmm. How do you how do you help somebody just get started? Because I know I know people, and this is kind of like a meta type question. Like we're, um, you know, but but it just came to came into my mind because I think it could be helpful. Like mm -hmm. just anybody who, uh, in general, just doesn't have um, good you know health habits as far as exercise and uh, routine and stuff like that sure and you know it, it could be intimidating for somebody to look at where they are and kind of where sure. they need to go mm -hmm. i mean we're it, just in this country we're like 40 plus percent um obese you know right. <laughs> it's right. a very high uh, obesity rate in our country yeah. and so just for like uh anybody who sure recognize that they need to make some changes but not totally sure how to do it like what do you usually recommend is just like some first steps whether it's mindset or something physical or whatever yeah. that is yeah 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 i think people will really complicate that question they think they need to completely radically change their lives and 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 get right into an extreme you know physical discipline like oh tomorrow i'm going to work out for two hours even though right. they've never done that in their entire life. Yeah. So that's just not, it's just not practical. You're not going <laughs> to develop, you're not going to uphold that by any mm -hmm. means, maybe for even a couple of days. It all, I, I simplify that. It's, it's more so mindset, yes, but simply just daily habits. Uh, and so my encouragement to people that are just starting, I think it's, it's, it's as easy as 
saying, you know, not instead of saying tomorrow I'm going to work out for two hours, you know, in a very intense, with a very intense regime, tomorrow, as soon as I get out of bed, I'm going to go walk for a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to walk for a mile and I'm just going to incorporate more greens in my diet tomorrow. And Love just it. starting with that and that, what that does is it's, it's not forcing you to, you know, have a six pack, you know, by in 90 days, but it's, it's starting to rewire how you think about movement and how you, and how you see how much that will actually benefit how you think throughout the day, how you focus throughout the day. Um, if I just start my day with just something as easy as walking a mile and I've noticed that, you know, all of a sudden my, um, what's the word? My, my metabolism is better. My, uh, I'm able to focus on talking to my, my son or my daughter more. I'm actually listening to them and my mind isn't somewhere else. And they start to see that what just that simple change um, on day one does, then, you know, they start to make it a habit. Um, and that's when, you know, after two or three weeks of doing that, like, hey, you know what, instead of walking a mile after getting out of bed, I think I'm actually going to do a quick YouTube workout video. I think I'm going to, mm. I can, I want to step it up. And it's not out of a sense of, um, it's not even out of a sense of motivation. It starts to become, it starts to turn into a sense of discipline. Like if I'm going to, if I want to feel good throughout the day, I need to, I know I need to do this as soon as I get out of bed. Um, if I want to, you know, my, my insides to feel good, I know I need to just put more greens in my diet and just like, and not, you know, yeah. Oreos at night, maybe not eat as many. They're still really good. I think I don't believe anyone who says that they don't like like Oreos. <laughs> like you're lying to yourself. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I th- it's it's, sure. it's it's less of a sense of being motivated to move and more of a sense of just developing a discipline and understanding that it's far more beneficial to not only you but to others um, and how you treat others. Um, yeah, That's definitely. Good it's more simple than we think we like to complicate it yeah for sure and one of the other things too is that like i've fallen into the trap of saying like oh like uh you know i'm i'm too busy or like it's it's hard for me to add Mm -hmm. this into my routine because of uh, because of whatever but i think what you're saying is so true that when you do add it into your routine and Mm -hmm. you know not not in this like crazy intense way i mean yeah start with 30 minutes you know but adding that into your routine it will help you actually throughout the rest of the day to think better to be more clearly i think overall to be more productive yes and uh and especially if you're not you know if you're coupling it with changing eating habits and things like that Mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure for the first for the first few days your body's probably going to be like really mad at you and so making you feel like you're tired and that you don't have energy and stuff like that but then like your system can flips over like relatively quick Mm -hmm. and then and then uh, you'll start to feel good. You'll start to feel better. One of the things that I've noticed, uh, Garrett, in in my life is like when I'm working out and whether that's going to the gym or just going out for a run or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But like when I've got some level of consistency with with exercise in my life, it really does kind of like filter over into the other areas. There's something I don't know. Maybe it's just the way my mind is. But I imagine that most people are like this, that when you start to get disciplined in one area of your life, mm-hmm. there's kind of like this automatic 
thing that happens yeah. where it helps you to become disciplined mm -hmm. in other areas of your life as well. And yeah. so I just think we've got to get over that initial, that initial hump of, you know, the, like from being where I am now to being like, kind of just getting over that mind battle that says that it's mm -hmm. going to be so hard or it's going to be mm -hmm. this. So I think what you said is really, really awesome. Kind of giving yourself some quick wins where yeah. it's not, I've got to, I've got to commit to do a 90 pushups today, right. or I've got to commit to do it. Like, like if you've never done eight pushups, like don't know? try to do 90, like right. give your, yeah. Walk around the block a few times. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's really good. I like that. Um, so there's a question here that mm -hmm. came up a little while ago that I wanted to ask you as you were kind of talking about, um, I think it kind of came up after I asked you that question about the the molding together of ministry with movement and health and stuff like that. Yeah. So the question was, um, have you ever encountered people that either judge or assume that what you're doing is not spiritual or that it's not ministry? And and if you do, how do you deal with that? Sure, I have. And it's <laughs> such a I'm I don't want to say this in a I don't want this to come off as mean or judgmental it's just simply what is how it came the people <laughs> the people that normally will will would say that and i mean we're only talking two or three uh that i can remember the people yeah, that yeah, would yeah, yeah. say that to me usually fall into that 40 percent percentile yeah. of yeah being obese sure. <laughs> and it's it's like i mean that right there is kind of just like this needs to change in our culture and in our society uh, because those are, that really is the, the, the population that will say this, those kind of, those kind of things to me and how I simply deal with it is um, I mean, I'll, I'll bring up, I'll bring, I mean, I could bring up verses from the Bible, but more so I bring up characters from the Bible mm -hmm. that I think uh, and the, the, the top three that I think express to me, the the how vital it is to take care of your bodies is always it's always king david jesus and the apostle paul mm -hmm. um and what they were able to do not only because of who they were but because they actually took care of their bodies um and so i'll bring up you know i'll bring up characters from the bible and i love to say so kind of going along with um what you're saying how it how it how one area of our life corresponds to the others when it comes mm -hmm. to physical, spiritual, and mental health, I've always been, I've always described it as like a tethered rope. And when one of those starts to falter, it's a pretty good estimation that the others are going to start to fall as well. Um, and so like, sure. That's simply what I, and I, I just, that's kind of just kind of how I, um, how I go off of it. I'll just kind of just describe because when it comes to those conversations, I could say everything that I believe in, and it, and it could be true. But if they're, if these people aren't willing to change the way they, they live and kind of use it as a, an excuse like, Oh, physical yeah. health. Well, that can't yeah. be ministry. That, that's not yeah. spiritual. They use that as an excuse to pretty much be unhealthy to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's essentially just sometimes just talking to a brick wall and yeah. <laughs> um, like, yo man, like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding, like, we'll see how you feel in 10 years. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if like it's God ordained 
that you develop diabetes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's just usually what, that's just usually the stereotype of what happens. Like those are just the, that's the general population that questions what I do as, as ministry. So yeah, it's tough. Well, f- for sure. Like people in Bible times, <laughs> they yes. walked a lot and, <laughs> and they didn't, you know, the food yeah. they were eating was way different than Obviously, the food that yeah, we were eating. Yeah. And you know what I mean? They weren't, they mm-hmm. pre- most people, unless you were like in some kind of a royalty, like a very, very wealthy situation, like you weren't overeating. Right. Um, it's just like, you know, different, different lifestyle, different habits where like mm-hmm. everything is so accessible yeah. to us today. And then the quality of the food that we're eating, you know, unless you're, you're, you know, very careful about, you know, buying certain types of organics and sure. things like that. Like, cause sure. you know, even just a lot of times regular organic doesn't even necessarily mean much, mm-hmm. but like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, th- they had a different kind of a lifestyle and yeah, like I, I just think for us, like because of how accessible it, it, it right. is for us to just find so much junk food and it's mm-hmm. so easy for us not to use our legs to get us places and you know what i mean like it's easy to if we want to it's really like you don't have to you don't have to really do like you don't have to work hard to have a sedentary lifestyle it's just kind of you it's it because it's just that's what's presented to you you have to come at it from the opposite way and be intentional about you know, mm-hmm. developing healthy eating habits and fitness habits right. and things right. like that. You know what I mean? And, yep. uh, but yeah, as, as you said, I, I, and I think that that's a, that that's a, a great response, you know? And I, I just think that, uh, overall we've definitely got to learn how to take care of our, of our bodies and right. Whew. Yeah, man, it's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as you were talking, I thought of something that I wanted to say and I, I couldn't, can't remember what it was, but, but anyway, man, I, I do I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Um, how, how cool was that when you like, uh, you, you mentioned it, but how cool was that really like meeting Tom Holland <laughs> as, <laughs> was, as such a big Spider-Man fan? Yeah, man. It, like that was crazy. Uh, it was funny. It was one of those things. Like as soon as I started talking to him, it was just like talking to another 20 mid 20 something. Uh, like when I was in the moment, it was just really, he's just really easy to get to know. And he's definitely not intimidating when you're talking to him. It wasn't until, you know, I was driving home that I had to like pinch myself and be like, holy crap, that just happened. Um, but it was more so an <laughs> honor to, because when I was brought to set, uh, I was with the stunt coordinator and he walked me over to all of them to talk about how this was going to go. And it was Tom and the Russo brothers and the stunt coordinator introduced me to them and then they all introduced themselves with their names first. You know, it wasn't like a, it's awesome. You know, it was just so, it was humbling. Like they were very down to earth. They weren't, you know, these like, Oh, we're extremely special people. You, we obviously know, you know who we are. Um, no, it was, and it, it just opened the door so much more to just literally, I got to tell all three of them, um, both the Russo brothers and Tom, like, Hey, it's like an honor to be working with you guys. I'm a massive Marvel fan and a massive, um, yeah. you know, superhero nerd. So yeah. Yeah. Um, it was incredible. Is he your favorite Spider-Man? <sighs> He's my favorite Peter Parker. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's what I mean. That's He's my I mean. favorite Parker. I think on it after seeing the new movie, my favorite out of the three, I think it would have to be Andrew Garfield. I love Andrew oh, Garfield yeah? as an actor. As um, yeah, I just I loved it. I love him as a character. I was a big fan of Andrew Garfield. Um, I thought, and a lot of people didn't. I, I felt like yeah, he's he like got, the least favorite across the board. Yeah, he got a lot of hate. I freaking but um, but I loved him because like I I loved. Uh, I mean, I loved him in the Social Network, and like right. I've loved to. I just yep. I just like him as an actor. One. I think he's he's yeah. like quirky. He's kind of like mm-hmm. you know he's. Uh, I just I just like the the characters that he portrays. Yeah. I thought he did a good job. Um, as Peter Parker in that yeah. too. So yeah, I liked him. I liked him. I liked him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I love, I, I love, I love Tom Holland. I love, yeah, I love the way he does it. It's, mm-hmm. uh, He's the most comic book accurate in my opinion. How would you, what'd you think of the newest movie? I saw it. I've seen it three times. Three times. Theater. Yeah. I cried the first time. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. It was such a dude because that movie, I mean, that was, the first, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man came out in 2002. You know, I was 11 years old. Yeah. I was still getting influenced mm-hmm. by all these. That was one of the big movies that influenced me to be like, man, I want to be just like that when I grow up. Um, and so to see him on screen again and kind of like the culmination and like understanding like, man, I had just been in a movie with, you know, the Spider-Man Tom Holland because of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man that I saw yeah. when I was a kid. It was just one of those moments um, that it was just such a surreal experience in the theater for me personally. Yeah. 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 It was, it, I, I thought they did such a, it just, I, I mean, an otherworldly job. They did an incredible job of paying like fanfare and yes. you know, just, just, yes. just really, just really like, like throwback to all the kids that really did grow up with Spider-Man mm-hmm. being their favorite superhero. I thought they did yep. a, just the just the fantastic job of that. Yep. I, I think across the board, he's probably the favorite of mm-hmm. you know. As, I, I can't even think the way to word it, but yeah, like he's he's a lot of people's favorite superhero. Um, Agreed. Yep. You know what I mean? He's just because he, he's relatable and the one liners and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so cool. I don't. I don't want to get into specifics and stuff just because. Sure. Cause, sure. Know, oh, I could talk. Anybody hasn't seen it or whatever. Yeah. But. But yeah, it was so good. I get. I get choked up every time I watch um, Endgame. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, like, I. I can't. Because uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. I mean, it's it's those two for me. Like Iron Man and Spider Man are like my yeah. my favorites. And I yeah. love. Um, I never was into Thor before, but I love Thor now because mm-hmm. he's Chris so does such a amazing. Guy. He's yeah. hilarious and and awesome. But I, um, but yeah, like the, those two, and knowing how it ends, and just seeing like those certain things, like like when um, like like that that very quick reunion between you know Tony and and uh, and and Peter Parker in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And then oh, yeah. like. Just, just that whole that whole thing i just sure. get i just watch it and i'm just mm-hmm. uh, i get i get so chill like i have <laughs> to mentally prepare myself i can't yeah. just as much as i love that movie i i i won't just watch it um willy-nilly as they say oh, no, i won't you have just to be uh, in a certain like mindset i ha- i have to really totally. prepare like this is going to be yeah. this is going to affect me for the next few hours yeah yep, <laughs> i know yep, it's a movie i know it's not real but i just it it messes with me it man. pulls the heartstrings man it gets you it does it's so crazy. Um, well, that's awesome, man. What What did you think? I'm just curious. What did you think of of Eternals? 
I liked it. I liked Eternals, and I posted this, I think, on Facebook after I saw it. I think Eternals did Justice League better than Justice League did. Yeah. Like, yeah. after I saw it, yeah. I was like, this is what the Justice League movie should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was not a fan. I love the, the Snyderverse uh, Justice League was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, I think like they did everything right in regards to like they made Icarus such a Superman. Like that's how Superman should have looked in Justice League. Um, Makari, the speedster, like this is how all speedsters should look on film. And, you know, that was really well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I love the humor. I love the dialogue. I don't know why it's getting so much. I know every, like everyone's like, it was definitely yeah. the worst Marvel movie of, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I um I was actually really I was pleasantly surprised cuz mm-hmm. I did I, I had heard a I hadn't heard honestly a lot, but anything that I heard wasn't good. Sure. Um <laughs> and so I and and I think one of the one of the biggest criticisms across the board that I hear from most people is in the area of character development. Uh but I mean, how do you develop, you know, nine characters in sure. in 2 oh, hours, oh, yeah, you know totally. what I mean? Yeah. The, the the one thing that I that I wish they had kind of done was um, spend a little bit more time developing or highlighting the just the not even so much the character, but the strength of Icarus, mm-hmm. because I because I feel like they could have made it a little bit more more epic as it went on. Because like and sure. I did I did that sort of same comparison in my head to to Justice League and yeah. how when when um and sorry there's spoilers mild spoilers here if you haven't seen justice league but that's a few years old so yeah i'm um, sorry not sorry but not the uh the yeah <laughs> the uh the thing about about superman was you really felt for the other for the other superheroes that were fighting against him because it was so obvious his strength level compared to to them on an individual level mm-hmm. that you were like, yo, how like there's no way they can take this guy down. Like I think they right. did a good job at sort of showing his his strength in that way yeah. um, compared yeah. to the rest of them. So that was like the one thing where I was like, I feel like they could have done um, you know better on that. But I thought, but I thought overall, I really liked it. I enjoyed it totally. Yeah, um, me too. But uh, yeah, the one thing that I think. Well, Zack Snyder is awesome at just like the visual stuff, mm-hmm. and so that's the one thing that I think movies like Justice League, if if you were to just take like a still frame of almost like any section of that movie, it looks incredible. Um, they do a really good job at For sure. like if, if if you're just like watching the movie and you pause it, like that scene right there could be yeah. like a cinematography movie is always good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they they do a fantastic yeah. job at that. But overall, I'm like. They got nothing. They got nothing mm-hmm. on Marvel. <laughs> nah. Nah. Um, well, anyway, thank you, Garrett, man. I, again, I appreciate yeah, your man. time. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, let's uh, let's just too. real quick let people know where they can find you. I know. Sure. Let's see, I think I've got your uh, Instagram. I'll pop that up on the screen for anybody that's watching. But uh, tell people where they could where um, where they could find you either on Instagram, yeah. YouTube, or anywhere else that you'd like to point people to. Yeah. So I have Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. All of my content is primarily my movement content. That's all I, I all I really post. And so, if you want to just have, you know, some daily entertainment, and um, yeah, that's where that's where you can find me. So, and they're all they're all just my name. That's nothing crazy. All the handles are the same um, across the platform. So, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, cool, man. And one more time, what was the? How, how do we find your? Uh, 
your music. <laughs> if you just type in R E colon made on Spotify and Apple Music, you'll find us. That's awesome. That's me and Josiah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to check out this episode. If it uh, blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, if you consider subscribing, sharing, or leaving a review, I'd really, really appreciate that. And uh, again, Garrett, thanks for your time, man. I really enjoyed uh, catching up with you and meeting you officially. Yeah, man. And Same. Uh, yeah, it's been super cool. No, no, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.